Welcome to the Divorce Tribe Podcast. My name is Luke Mydell, and I created this weekly podcast to provide support and healing as you navigate the daily trials that accompany divorce. I have been where you are, I have walked that lonely road, and I'm hoping to share what I have learned and what I am still learning through others. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Welcome to episode 12, the last 15 years, crafting a divorce narrative. This week we will be discussing creating your divorce narrative and accepting your part in that divorce narrative. Now let me be clear, I hear this a lot, you need to recognize how you contributed to the divorce, and in many cases that's true. But there are also many cases where that is not true. No one will be perfect in a marriage and we should look at how we can improve ourselves for our next relationship. But that doesn't mean that those imperfections were contributing factors to a divorce. Just because Bobby lost his temper and yelled at an idiot driver camped out in the left lane a few times doesn't mean that contributed to the divorce. But it is an area where Bobby can improve. My goal this episode is really just to talk about the divorce narrative and how it's shaped, and how it can be revised and edited. Just like a novelist writes an initial draft that can differ drastically from the final through multiple revisions, edits, and inclusions from different people, we do the same thing with our divorce. In addition, our divorce narrative that is in our head can differ drastically from the divorce narrative we share with others, and it will certainly differ from the divorce narrative that your ex develops on their own. But before we delve into that, it's time for story time, where I discuss the current book I'm reading. Now, the memoirs I've read up to now have been written by women who experienced divorce. One whose husband was hiding his gambling secret, one whose husband was having an affair, and one who didn't specify why she got divorced, but she alluded to it being her fault based on her views of parenthood, marriage, those sorts of things. Most of these books left religion and faith out of the narrative, but the book I just completed was written by a man who experienced divorce, and it is largely focused on the author's faith and how it helped him through his divorce and the aftermath of his divorce. It's titled New Life After Divorce, The Promise of Hope Beyond the Pain, and it's written by Bill Butterworth. It differs from the other memoirs in that it is partially a self-help book with little memoir snippets from his own divorce that he shares during the book. In the foreword, uh, Bill Buttersworth's pastor uh, is actually who wrote it. He describes divorce as such, quote, From the outside, divorce can sound like a single event. But anyone who has ever experienced it knows that it is an earthquake that rearranges every part of the landscape. Emotions, identity, finances, spirituality, parenthood, vocation, recreation, and friendships. If it is true that every divorce is the death of a small civilization, then its aftermath requires the construction of a new one. End quote. This description of divorce is apt for our discussion today because we are the builders of that new civilization. It's up to each of you to decide how you want it to look. You get a chance to take this horrible event in your lives and to make it positive. And Bill Butterworth does that by going over the struggles he faced in his divorce, 
how he healed from them, and how he became a better person. He writes his divorce narrative to help others, and in essence, he's creating his own new civilization in that narrative. A musical that I quite enjoy that does an excellent job of describing how we create different narratives in both marriage and divorce is uh, The Last Five Years. And it's actually what I got the title for today's episode from, the last 15 years. So I switched it around a little. Uh, I took 15 years because that's how long I was married, a little over 15 years. Um, And this story is the last five years. It goes through uh, two main characters, Jamie and Kathy. And each one is telling the story of their relationship from the beginning through the end. And it's all from their own perspective. Each one has individual songs that they sing about um, aspects of their relationship, and they only sing together in the middle when their stories converge in marriage. Now, this musical uses a very interesting literary technique where Jamie's story starts at the beginning of their relationship and goes through from start to finish. Kathy's story starts at the end of their relationship and goes from the finish to the beginning. What ends up happening is that we start out the musical with the elation of new love from Jamie's perspective. This is juxtaposed with the pain of a failed marriage from Kathy's point of view. Her song just bleeds sadness and pain. It's titled Still Hurting. And Jamie's song is all happiness and joy of new love. Uh, It's titled Sheik's a Goddess. It used to be titled, I Could Be In Love With Someone Like You, but he was actually sued by his ex and he had to change the song because it resembled their relationship too much. Um, So at the end of the musical, the roles are reversed. You find out that Jamie is having an affair with another woman and making the same promises to her that he had made to Kathy at the beginning of the musical. And Kathy is excited after going on a first date with Jamie. The musical ends with Jamie's song, I Could Never Rescue You, and Kathy's song, Goodbye Until Tomorrow. So it ends the way it began, with the elation of first date romance and the pain of a lost relationship. Now let me just say kudos to the author for actually writing himself as the royal jackass of the story. He could have written his wife as a controlling, manipulative, horrible person, but he shows the flaws in both of their characters and especially in himself as he gains fame and starts getting attention from other women. This is different from many divorce narratives that we create. You know, divorce narratives are all about perspective. We live in a world where perspective can change one's opinion drastically. Social media users choose to show one side of their lives while hiding the difficult, messy aspects of their lives, just like anyone can do with their divorce narrative. When I have a date over to my house, I clean up. I don't leave it a disaster like it is at other times because we choose to show our best sides while dating. We all know about this in social media as well, but a lot of times we choose to ignore it. Another example of how our perspectives can differ drastically are optical illusions, like the dress that people thought was either white with gold fringe or blue with black fringe, or the pretty lady, ugly witch picture, where you can see both a pretty lady or an ugly witch. Now, we have terms for how we view perspectives. Optimism is the 
glass is half full. Oh, this is great. I still have a half full glass of water. Pessimism is the glass is half empty. Oh, I can't believe half of my slurp is already gone. And then our own perspective in divorce may be that the ex took your glass, drank the contents, and smashed it on the sidewalk on their way out of Dodge. That's kind of how we view divorce at times. That same perspective skews our view of marriage and especially divorce. For some, for some couples, one member goes through marriage oblivious to what is really going on behind the scenes. They may know that the marriage isn't perfect, but they can't conceive that it's anywhere near the point that one partner is considering divorce. And when that D word is dropped, it's a big surprise. Like the glass half full or half empty narrative, each couple's perspective and narrative can be vastly different. Um, if my teeth start chattering, by the way, uh, don't worry. I just ate a Slurpee and it's 60 degrees in my house. Yeah, it's the start of winter. Well, <laughs> let me give you an example uh, of this narrative approach and how things change. A person posted on Facebook that her husband had struggled with drug addiction much of their marriage, and it had put a major strain on their marriage. The husband, seeing the strain that it was putting on him, and realizing that his addiction was going to ruin his family, ruin his marriage, worked towards sobriety, and he finally kicked his addiction, and he became a loving, devoted husband. Despite this, the wife posted that she just didn't love him anymore, even though he had put in the work, was now a great father who had been clean for years, and was an attentive husband. The years before had damaged her relationship with him. In this story, we have two different perspectives. From the perspective of the husband, he was a jackass, a drug addict, who was close to losing his wife and his children, and in a feat of strength he overcame his addiction. He became clean, and he made the changes necessary to save his relationship with his wife and family. From the husband's perspective, his story is one of hope and healing. He's a good father and a good husband. Now let's view the wife's side of the story. Understandably, she underwent great trials during her marriage. She dealt with a husband who was addicted to drugs, a neglectful parent and husband, and this caused years of trust issues and a slow degradation of their relationship. Her husband finally got his crap together, but she never reached that point of healing. From her perspective, she had fallen out of love with her husband and still felt stuck and in pain. So we have these two vastly different perspectives. We have the husband who overcame addiction to save his relationship with his wife and his family for that matter, in his mind, he's proud of what he's accomplished and feels like the worst is behind him. For the wife, she has never really fully recovered from the years of addiction. Life is better, yes, but the damage done to the relationship is still there. There are still scars that have not fully healed, and she's wondering how she can be happy. Each of these people have created a narrative in their heads about their own marriage. And even though the facts of the situation are the same, their own narratives differ drastically one from another. That's what we do in divorce. We create divorce narratives based on our own perspective. That narrative changes as well 
depending on who you're talking to. You know, for one, our children, they hear different things depending on their age, their maturity. A toddler or kindergartner is not going to understand and should not have to understand why his or her mom is no longer living at the house. But a teenager or an adult son or an adult daughter may know more about the actual cause of the divorce. The narrative that they hear is different because of their age and maturity. You know, uh, another aspect that might change how our children perceive that narrative, it depends on our spouse's maturity. Exes who badmouth and say that the other spouse doesn't love them, wants them to move out, no longer wants to be a family. That's putting the burden on his or her children. That's providing a narrative that may be false even if you are hurting. That's not to say that some things aren't true about that narrative, but it's not something our children should have to shoulder. And then three, one of the other people we talk to, uh, random people on the bus or train or in the line at Walmart, they may actually hear more than I've told certain family members because I don't care if some random person on the bus knows all the intimate details of what happened. Why is that? In my mind, it's cathartic to be able to tell the unaltered, unedited story of my divorce to people that I'll never see again. I remember I actually took an Uber ride home from Salt Lake City, and uh, I was talking to this Uber driver, and uh, we started talking about marriage and divorce, found out he was divorced and dating someone, and, you know, I talked about my divorce, and, you know, we had very similar stories. And so I told this random person more about my divorce than I had told certain family members at this point because I would never see this person again. So um, another uh, thing that changes our narrative, people we tell our narrative to on dates. And it also changes as the months and years pass after the divorce. A two-month divorcee's narrative may differ drastically after two years because at that point, the pain lessens, the mind stops focusing so much on this recent traumatic event. And then uh, family. Uh, before I was divorced, I was told not to talk to my family at all about what was going on in my marriage. Uh, and that was because I was actually trying to save my marriage. Uh, and any stories about what actually happened could prevent that from ever happening. That could turn people against uh, my ex at that point. Um, and then uh, serious relationships. Uh, as we start dating, as we get into more serious relationships, the divorce narrative that we tell these people will differ than just the casual dates we go on. Uh, they'll hear a more in-depth uh story of what happened during our divorce. So um, not only do we create a divorce narrative, but our kids will create a divorce narrative. So how do we want our kids to look back on this part of their life? What do we want their divorce narrative to be? Will it be a high conflict divorce narrative or a low conflict narrative? How do you want them to view this moment in their lives? Something you need to do is continue to ask them about how they feel. Divorce takes more than just that initial conversation in the first few months. It continues to impact them for years, especially if they're young. Continue asking them about their feelings. Ask them what they need. You know, my daughter comes up to me every single week. Uh, and she says, I miss mom. 
And that's normal. And I give her a hug. I ask her if she wants to give her a call. Um, and this narrative that she is developing uh, is just based on her own feelings and her own story. Uh, what's interesting is my daughter will talk about this divorce with others when they won't necessarily talk about it with, with me. I found a little note my daughter had brought home with her from a friend from school. Most of it was the typical second grader drama of so-and-so likes who's he what's it and all that, but one specific sentence stuck out. I'm sorry your parents are divorced. So in all that second grader girl drama, I know that my daughter has talked about her mom and dad are divorced to her friends, and I'm glad that she's able to share that, but I still worry about the impact. I want my kids to have a normal childhood without having to worry about their parents' divorce, where they're going to spend the night tomorrow, if their parents are going to get along at the next soccer game. And that's why we can create a more positive divorce narrative that will help our kids, and hopefully that will help them look back at this time in their lives with a little more positivity. Um, so our narrative changes with time and distance. You know, when we first get out of our divorce, we are so close to that pain and that anger. And that pain and that anger can really show when we share our narratives with people. It's at this early stage that a lot of people draw their children into their sorrow and sadness because it's all enveloping. But as you gain more distance from the pain and the anger, as you forgive the spouse that wronged you, as you forgive yourself, that narrative changes. The details aren't as stark, the pain isn't as poignant because you start to heal and you start to realize, okay, there are some things that were just brought on by this pain and anger. And I can look back with a, an eye that is less critical and change my narrative. Now, uh, next thing I want to talk about is that this narrative that you're creating, it's your narrative. It's not your ex's narrative. It's not your family's narrative. They will create their own narrative. But something you should do is be honest in your narrative. Just because it's your divorce narrative doesn't mean you should create a story that is harmful to other people. When you exaggerate or outright lie to your kids about what happened in the divorce, you might make yourself feel better but you're doing a disservice to your kids. I don't mean not telling them everything that happened in the divorce. You should shield them from having to choose between parents. You should shield them from the nastier aspects of your divorce as much as possible because one part of your narrative is helping your kids not take on this divorce themselves. Uh, next thing, your divorce narrative is not all roses and no thorns. It's the beauty and the pain. No matter what part you played in your divorce, even if it's minimal, you have opportunities to grow and become better from this failed relationship. Yes, they may have been horrible and done horrible things, and under normal conditions, nothing you did would have contributed to a divorce. But expand how you look at yourself. Become a devil's advocate and view this as an opportunity to grow and expand as a person to become better and stronger so that when the next relationship comes along, you will be ready for it. So 
Possible negatives of your divorce narrative. If you are too negative or focus only on those negative things, it can keep you from healing. It can stifle your progress. You can let it define you. While the more positive aspects of a divorce narrative can help you heal, can accelerate your progress, and it becomes an important stepping stone that doesn't define who you are, but it helps you become who you were meant to be. We paint this rosy picture of our own part in the divorce while glossing over our own inadequacies. And then when people tell you that you need to recognize your own part in your divorce, people get very defensive because in their divorce narrative, they played no part in it. Now, I completely understand that. I used to be exactly like that, and I still am to a point. I look back at my marriage, and I can recognize my own inadequacies. You know, I was quick to anger when I'm driving, quick to criticize my ex's driving. You know, I had a short temper when I was exhausted and my kids would act up. Sometimes I would get home from work, tired, and I would lay down on the couch and take a nap instead of helping with dinner. I would get lost in a Netflix series or a good book. Our sex drives and our sexual histories were vastly different, and we should have gone to therapy from the beginning to figure that out. But it took us most of our marriage to try that. Here's the deal, though. Many people are quick to anger when driving, and at times her driving did need criticizing just like mine does, and nap times are good. I still value a good nap, even at the expense of a clean living room or a sink cleared of dirty dishes. I could recognize these faults and inadequacies in my life, but in my mind, none of those things were big enough to contribute to a divorce. However, I can now look back at them and see where I can improve my next relationships. Does that mean I'll never take a nap after getting home before I finish chores? Absolutely not. I love my naps, but I do have the opportunity to do better as my divorce narrative changes. For one thing, I have to learn to trust. This is a tough one because it was so hurtful in the end. There were lies told in my marriage for the entire 15 years that were pretty devastating when I found out. Because of that, I need to learn to trust in dating and realize that the people I date are not my ex. I also know because of my divorce narrative that I want to attend couples therapy prior to getting married. I want to make sure our values are aligned, that we're both aware of our uh, pasts and the trauma associated with that. I want to work through all of that before we're sitting in a honeymoon suite trying to figure out what goes where. So, to summarize, our divorce narrative is all about perspective, and it changes because each of us views our experiences differently. Just like the blue dress with black fringe, because of this perspective, we have the chance to view it as an opportunity to progress. And that divorce narrative changes depending on who we talk to, the maturity of our children, and how long we've been divorced. In addition, it changes depending on who is telling the divorce narrative. Sometimes our spouse has a vastly different divorce narrative than our own, just like Jamie and Kathy from the last five years. So let me end with this. You have the opportunity to write your own divorce narrative because the beauty of it is that it's not over. No matter what happened, 
no matter what is happening, there is still so much left to happen. And it's your decision what happens. Like the unfinished novel, your life is a masterpiece waiting to be discovered. Don't let it become a tragedy. True, you will not be able to control everything that happens. But you can control your reaction to what happens. You can write a divorce narrative that ends with you riding off into the sunset rather than you drowning at the bottom of the sea. That's the beauty of the divorce narrative. Even if your initial divorce narrative does have you drowning at the bottom of the sea, you can change that. It's not too late. So next week, we'll be talking about the pursuit of happiness after divorce, a very similar topic. Hopefully, it will give you some hope for a better future, one that may not be evident at the beginning of the process. So, there you go. Thank you for joining me today. If you found this podcast helpful, please like and subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others who could use support and healing. Visit thedivorcetribe.com for more resources to help you through your divorce, and follow me at The Divorce Tribe on Instagram to be notified when new episodes and content are released. Remember, you are not alone. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Until next time.